We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no. There's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 184. The Yankees are still alive, baby. Greg Bird. Call! Call! How do you like that bird call, Scott? They're still alive. Hey, man, this is beautiful. It's weird the way it's set up. Got Tanaka, came out. Did exactly what he needed to do. Seven strong innings. Gave the ball to uh, to Mr. D. Robin Chapman. Bird hit the clutch freaking bomb. Bomb. Set it up perfectly. Perfectly. You know that when I told you when uh, we were we were talking on uh, on like I am after that hit, I was like, Did you, it went third deck. The yes, the well, not the yes cameras, the Fox cameras, what screwed me up because it went all the way up to like the top Dude, of the. They stadium. were showing the moon on yeah. that thing, and my my eyes followed the the uh, path of the camera, and then I I went back and looked and I saw where it actually fell. But Doesn't it matter. was a moonshot, man. It was a moonshot. Yeah, it was a blast. He knew it as soon as he hit it. He kind of leaned back into it, watched the thing soar off. Andrew Miller, lefty on lefty. Miller was throwing gas up there. 
And Bird got so fired up into the dugout, high-fiving everybody, was so pumped up. I've never seen him that pumped up before. This team is not dead. They they don't think... That, oh, what? Wait, well, what? What? No. They're not dead? They're not dead. No. They're still alive. Not they dead. are playing on Monday, possibly on Tuesday, depending on the rain. They're not dead. They may have killed me after Friday's game. I may have been dead inside. But the team on the field, not dead yet. That's right. No, they're not dead. They're not even remotely close to dead. Because they have their number one pitcher going in game four, which is perfect scenario. Like I was t- saying before, th- it's a weird setup, the way that it, it went down and how we lost the first two games, fine, whatever, it's in the past. But in, in most situations, you don't have your you know one, two, used to be your one, uh, number one pitcher going on the uh, on game three and then lining up for your ace of the year going for that next game who really didn't even pitch the first game. So he's completely ready to go, rested, and, and just ready to, one, take that ball again so he could freaking redeem himself. Because you know damn well he wants to get out there and pitch in front of this crowd and dominate. You know damn well he wants it. And I, and I love that. I love that that's kind of in the back of his head right now. Well, I'm happy that he's getting the, the opportunity. Because we said that on Friday that obviously we don't want the Yankees get, to get swept for a number of reasons. But one of the big ones for me was that I wanted Severino to have a chance to go back out there and pitch this postseason and not have to wait a full season to have to go out there and have all of the questions on whether or not he can pitch in the big games. He's got a chance tomorrow night, game four, send this thing back to Cleveland. He can completely erase the memory of his third of an inning start against Minnesota with a strong start against Cleveland. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's totally in control of this. Um, I mean, that place is going to be freaking going off. It was, it was on going fire tonight. tonight. It was on Our fire. Our boy... It, it's your boy Dom. Intern Dom was literally sitting freaking six rows behind Ridiculous. home plate in, in the in the legend suites. If you're on Instagram, go check out the stories. He was putting them up all day or all game for that. So he he uh, got some unbelievable seats for that and um, had a, a really, really good view of uh, this this game. It was an awesome game. It was I don't know. I mean, some people like more offense. Uh, some people like the pitchers duels. I, I like the pitchers' duels, I like the tension in the playoffs. This is the type of game that just reminds me that it's October, and it lived up to the bill, man. Huge home runs, big pitching, big outs. It had it all. I love big it. defensive plays. Judge robbing the big home def- run. Yeah. Um, Absolutely, yeah. These kind of games are it's it's the type of game where any runner gets on base. It doesn't matter if it's just a two out walk, a two out single, lead off single, whatever it is. When there's a runner on base and it's your team, you're fired up because you got a rally going. And then when it's the other team, you can't breathe because you're afraid that that run's going to score. That's how this. That's what playoff baseball. That's what pitchers' duels in October are like. No doubt. When uh, when they went and pitch pinch ran for. I don't even remember who it was. Um, the the rookie kid that was up in the later in the game. Brantley. They pinch ran for Brantley. Brant, they pinch ran for Brantley, and uh, I don't know what this kid's name. I can't remember his name, but he he's a burner. I remember him pinch running at some other point, and I was just getting I was getting like vomit induced flashbacks of David Roberts. Uh, stealing second base and and scoring on a base hit. That's that's all and I kept thinking in my head. Chapman kept throwing over to him, and I was I was tweeting that Chapman just concentrate on getting the hitter out in this situation. Please do not worry about the runner. The only way that runner is going to be a problem is if you can't get the hitter at the plate out. So just strike well, him out, and that's what he did. It, he did a good job though. Doing, I mean, look, he's got his own little game plan, and I mean, I completely trust this guy at this point because he seems like he's totally in control of everything he's doing at this uh, for the last month. So if he's going to throw over a couple times, whatever. I mean, that's his own deal. 
um, he was he was freaking lights out. He was he was good. There's no doubt about it. He was good. That fastball was moving. He made one bad pitch, I thought, which was the. Um, it was like, again, it's a get me over slider. It's not a great slider. It's a get me over slider. And he threw it to, I think, Santana, was it? Yeah. And, um, he got the base. It was, it was Santana a, or, or Ramirez was one of the two of them. It was the yeah, he got the base infield hit. single on uh, to Todd Frazier. Made the, the nice play to keep it in the infield. But yeah, then he couldn't handle it. Um, let's start unpacking the game. So Tanaka goes out there. This was, he was, everything was set up for Tanaka. Eight days rest. Beautiful. He's uh, auditioning for his opt-out clause. Beautiful. The only thing that it didn't have going for him was that there was another Japanese superstar going up on the other side of the team. It was a night game. <laughs> the place was loud. He showed up. As soon as he threw, he got the first strikeout of Lindor. You knew his stuff was working. He had the slider that yep. was biting down, and, down uh, and in on lefties. He had the splitter that was diving in the dirt. His stuff, for the first four innings... He, I feel like he lost his stuff in the fifth and sixth inning, got it back in the seventh inning, but the first four innings, he was absolutely nasty. You know, he threw to a, a couple pitches, too, that were that were different than I had seen in a while. It was almost it was like an 81 or 82 mile an hour. I don't know if it was a changeup or if it was a curve or if it was that slider that was just curving, more acting more of a curve, but it was almost like an Ephus pitch, or it, and, it, and it caught... Um, they caught the zone on, on, I think, the first or second batter, and then he threw it again. And I didn't see him throw it after that, but I hadn't seen him throw anything like that. That, that, that soft. He was really mixing up the speeds. And that splitter was filthy. I mean, it was absolutely filthy. When you see that down and away to a left-handed batter, you know, you know damn well he's doing well. And that's what he looked like on his last start, whether or not he was getting swings and misses from guys who didn't give a rat's ass if they were there or not. The action was the same, and that's what we saw today. So... You know, it was uh, it was a good eight days rest. I mean, the man <laughs> is obviously better when he's fully rested. So let's let's uh, let's give him some more rest if we can do if we if we can get back out there for him. But yeah, it was awesome. He pitched really really well, and he, you can just see the look in his face, man. He he, you could see the intensity that he was not going to let anything up. You just I don't know. You just I, you could tell that he was into it. I had some people tweeting me that how oh, how do you like Tanaka now? You're going to call him an ace now? And no, I'm still not giving up that ace thing. But I will fully admit that this was a nut up game, and Tanaka nutted up. Uh, he had help. He had help from Judge because if that ball, which is not. He didn't. It wasn't necessarily that he got that Lindor crushed that ball because that would would have been a Yankee Stadium home run wall scraper. But if Judge doesn't make that play, we're looking at a two nothing deficit and a home run that Tanaka gives up, and it's a totally different outlook. But Judge made the play, saved the day from uh, from a defensive side. Absolutely, Judge. It was a it was a great play. He was there. It didn't look like he had to do too much. Honestly, I think a lot of guys might have made that catch. I don't. It was barely even over, and I don't know. The right fielders can get to that ball, but he makes it look so easy because he's so like tall. He barely jumped. He barely jumped. Exactly. It's like dunking on his <laughs> without jumping. You know, it's like everybody else could get to that ball, but Judge just makes it look so simple because he's a massive human One being. Thing. And thank God, thank God, no Yankee fan screwed that up. Hample almost that's very easily. That easily could have happened. Dude, foul ball guy Hampel almost screwed it up. Was he there? You don't haven't seen the picture? Oh, I didn't see that, no. The guy reaching in back of Judge is Zach Hampel. Oh, my God. I saw a guy there. I didn't realize it was the foul ball kid. Yeah. He, uh, now he I'm looking this up. He would have been, he, I don't think he would have gotten out of Yankee Stadium alive if he was the one who, who took that ball away from Aaron Judge from, from stealing that home run. No, absolutely not. He would have been, he would have been mauled. 
Yeah. He would have been mauled. One thing about That's, the new Yankee Stadium is that the right field wall is not as high as the old Yankee Stadium. Remember the old Yankee Stadium? Because I was I was seeing pictures um, of Tony Tarasco and that, yeah. that people were saying, oh, good thing Tony Tarasco isn't 6'7", or else he would have been able to rob Jeter's home run. But if you remember old Yankee Stadium, that, that wall was like eight feet high, whereas this new wall is probably seven feet high. I don't even know. I mean, Judge barely jumped, and he had his whole entire shoulder over the thing. It's just hard to tell because Judge is so much bigger than anybody who's ever played out there and, and looks. I mean, Tony Tarasco was pointing. Yeah, it seemed higher. I, I don't know the dimensions of the wall itself, but um, I'm just glad that nobody interfered with that ball because that could have been a freaking disaster. Yeah. That could have been a whole Bartman situation. Exactly. Um, that was uh, – and Judge made up for the play that he didn't make on Kipnis. Kipnis ended up getting a triple. I think Judge yes. should have made that play earlier in the game. It would have been a good play, a, a nice running catch, but he, he overran it because the ball clanked off the side of his glove. Yeah, I mean, you talk to him, I guarantee he says he would have made that play you know, nine out of ten times. He, he, should, have, he should have made the play. 99 uh, out think- of 100 times. I like it. I think I think he um, I think he just misjudged the line drive. It's, it's just it's one of those. Oh, we're we're just getting punny on this episode. See, Yankees winning, we get all punny all all over you. But yeah, I mean, he made it. It, uh, it bounced off the glove, and it just it took a pretty harsh bounce, and that's how Kipnis even got to third. Usually, that ball, I mean, it it took a big bounce, yeah. <laughs> and that's how Kipnis was able to. Go. And it was a tough and spot. He's, he's a sneaky. That guy is like a stocky dude, but he's way more athletic than he looks. Kipnis is one, yeah, he's yeah. one of those uh, utility players where he could play center field, could play second base, but he's he's a quick guy. He's got a little pop. I like Kipnis as a player. Uh, hate going up against him, but I would love to have a guy like that on, on the Yankees. Um, but after he got on third base with one out, Tanaka was burying splitters in the dirt and Gary Sanchez yep. was blocking them. That was a really good sequence. After Kipnis got that triple, Tanaka was throwing it. I was in the back of my mind, and I know it was in the back of your mind. Oh, shit, mm-hmm. here we go. It's going to be a pass ball here. But Sanchez, got, he did work back there. No, he did. He absolutely did. And Tanaka obviously had the confidence. I mean, I tweeted it out immediately when I saw him starting to do that. Tanaka wasn't thinking twice. He was burying that split finger like over and over and over again. Um, I, I think the split finger, <laughs> here I go. I'm going to give a backhanded compliment. The, the split finger, I think, is a lot easier to block because there's really not a lot of you know, side-to-side action on it. So it's one that you just really need to square up in front of your body. And it, but, but anyway, whatever. He was doing it. He was putting the, um, the ball was under control. And Tanaka was throwing it. That's the bottom line. Tanaka was able to throw it. And he, felt, he had the confidence to throw the pitch. So... It was a very good sequence, and I thought Tanaka um, and Ju- uh, I'm sorry, Tanaka and Sanchez worked really well together. You can kind of tell with Gary that when he is having a good game, he's blocking behind the plate. He's going to have a good game all night. It's he gets confidence in his blocking ability. It's weird to say that, but he gets confidence in his blocking ability, and then he can anticipate and he does all the things we wanted to do, wanted him to do. And then other times when he's not in a good rhythm and he doesn't have the confidence, and it kind of spirals out of control on him, like it did in um, in uh, the Sunny Gray game in Game One. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm watching this uh, video of Judge and this Hample kid. Yeah, he's right there. Yeah, right there. How is this son of a bitch always there? And he's wearing a yellow, it makes it even worse because he's wearing a yellow shirt against like the Frito-Lay sign. Yeah. So it looks like he's hiding in the wall. It looks like he's trying to like disguise himself in the wall, well, which this nerd, I guarantee, probably was trying to do he's that. He's not a fan of the Yankees. He's, he's just a fan of the game of baseball. Isn't he a Yankee season ticket holder? Yeah. Right. Anyway, 
Yeah, he was damn close to being Steve Bartman. Holy shit, that was close. But it would have been um, way worse because he's not a Yankees fan. I felt bad for Steve and Bartman. He, and he's him. Because and he's him. Right, Steve Bartman wanted nothing more than for the Cubs to win, whereas Zach Campbell wanted nothing more than to just get Zach Campbell another freaking baseball. baseball. Right, and steal it from a kid who's definitely reaching in front of a kid. Yep. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's a funny picture um, if you dissect it. I saw people dissecting it because some people are like, going berserk watching judge do it like people's faces are pure shock and then there's one guy literally right behind judge who has emotion like no motion uh no emotion on his face at all then you got hample reaching over it's it's a, it's a funny picture yeah interesting thank god he didn't do anything <laughs> man i swear to god man that was that's brutal and look that was the but, play um, that that changed everything around in the middle i mean that was a huge point in that game because carrasco was also dealing uh, everything the Yankees were doing against Kluber, laying off the slider in the dirt, making him throw pitches, they were not doing against Carrasco. Carrasco looked a lot more sharp than Kluber did. That's to, to give him credit. I mean, Carrasco looked really but good. Kluber is a better pitcher. His pitches were, I mean, I guess not that day uh, yet tonight. Corey Car- uh, Carrasco pitched better than Kluber did. So I mean, look, I mean, everybody—it's semantics when you're talking about this stuff. Carrasco won 18 games. He 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 did. Ju- he's basically a one A. I mean, the guy is filthy. And when you look at his stuff, the, the movement on yeah. the pitches, I, I can't just say I'm looking at a guy and just because his name is Carrasco, he, he can't pitch better than Kluber. No, no, no I'm day. not he, saying that. He did. I'm saying that the yeah, Yankees he, did not have a good game plan against him or they did not execute their game plan. Well, I think Kluber was off as well. I think Kluber was leaving a lot more pitches over the plate okay. that he normally he doesn't, off. and Carrasco didn't. He was off, but Car- still the Yankees were a reason why they added to the reason why he, uh, Kluber had a bad game. They, they did all the things they were supposed to do against him. They took advantage of him being off. Right, but when you see a pitcher on and, and, and is hitting his spots and the ball's going where they want it to go, it doesn't really matter much about the offense because usually those guys are in control, and that's exactly what Carrasco was tonight. He had the slider. The guy pitched extremely well. He had the yeah, slider. The slider had a lot of movement. And the two-seamer to lefties. That was a tough pitch, that, too. The two-seamer was filthy, too, yeah. It, he was he was doing everything right. He they had a good game plan, um, and and, and the, he made he made Gary Sanchez look silly in the first inning. Uh, that was utterly ridiculous. I'm getting, He's made a, he made a couple people look. silly. I'm getting a little frustrated with Judge and Sanchez. Every time they're up there tonight, it looked like they were trying to hit the ball to Yonkers. It was like a situation in the eighth inning where Gardner leads off the game leads off the inning with the bloop double. Judge, just make contact. Try and hit the ball to the right side to get him over so Gary Sanchez can get him in with a sack fly. Instead, Judge is swinging out of his shoes. Gary Sanchez is swinging out of his shoes. There's certain situations where, yes, go and do that because we need a home run or we, it's, it's nobody on. You might as well go for the home run. But in key situations, I'd like to see them just try and make some contact because they're strong enough to where if they just make contact, the ball's going to go 400 feet anyway. Well, I mean, it's also the same approach. If they're if they're sticking to the same approach that's that's really garnered them a lot of the success, well, it's going the other way. And if you're doing that, I mean, you're moving the runner up anyway. So, um, I just wish I, I just wish that would uh, that approach would stick with them all the time. But it's you know it's very apparent that that sometimes it gets away from them and they uh, either that get big eyes and are trying to um, just just smack the ball out of the park or whatever. But, you know, Sanchez had a really good at-bat as well and hit that, that screaming uh, base hit up the middle. He had some, I thought he had some, some good at-bats. But that first one against Carrasco, Carrasco just outmatched. I mean, it was a nasty pitch. And, I, and again, that's the first time you're looking at him 
um, uh, first go through. So obviously you're going to be seeing it for the first time. You're going to get more than likely fooled more on that time than you would for the rest of the time. You could tell that they were starting to square him up towards the end of his outing. What do you think of the strike zone, particularly the lower half of the strike zone on Judge in the series? I think that's something that Judge is going to deal with for his entire career. I think that he's going to get some umpires are going to call that low strike, and it's going to be very frustrating because he shouldn't be swinging at it. What's well, also he can't uh, that, hit it. The last at bat, physi- like yeah, he but he shouldn't he's be swinging physically at it. too big to hit it. The last strikeout, like you were just going to say, it was the three. should have The three-one pitch was low. It was at the very bottom of the strike zone, but. Judge physically can't hit that pitch. It, at best, he's going to tap it to shortstop. Yeah, I mean, I don't even want him. I want him to look at that every single time. If it's called, then he's screwed on that pitch. It is what it is. But normally, that pitch is not called. That's a ball. What has been and getting called, especially this for him. Yeah, it's the strike zone has been kind of crazy this series. Uh, I don't know. These guys all had a powwow beforehand. We're like, all right, we're just going to wa- make the strike zone massively huge. And, uh, and just frustrate the living hell out of a lot of people. Other than that, I thought it was okay. They were definitely giving some uh, on, the, on the outsides of the corners tonight, but um, I thought it was, it was fine. Th- that was the one at bat where I'm like, man, come on. You're not even giving this guy an opportunity. I feel like he's done enough at this point where uh, you can't be calling that as a strike. It's not a strike. It's below the knee. Tanaka gets him through seven innings. Bird with the home run to give him the one nothing lead. Tanaka's at 92 pitches. What did he strike out at that point? It was seven innings, three hits, one walk, seven strikeouts. Like I said, he looked really sharp in the seventh inning. Girardi pulls him and goes to D-Rob. What did you think of that decision? I thought it was the right decision. I thought that uh, you're not looking at pitch count. You're not looking at what inning it is. You're just kind of looking at what's happening. And, and to me, Girardi made the right moves this time. I mean, granted, they worked. It's easy for me to say that. I actually tweeted out that I agreed with him before that, just so I put it out there, so that I wasn't Monday morning quarterback this. I agreed with the move at the time uh, that D-Rob go in, and if D-Rob got in any trouble, go with Chapman. And that's exactly what happened. And, and I, I totally agree with that. I've, I'm, I'm glad he went with Chapman longer. Because you got to live or die by Chapman at that point. Chapman's your best pitcher in the bullpen, um, and you got to. If if D. Rob gets in any trouble, you got to bring in your closer. So he did that. Uh, I think he pulled all the right moves. I think the Tanaka was giving up two, more fly balls. Obviously, the the home run that was robbed by Judge. Um, you just saw better contact. Yes, he was getting out of the innings. Yes, he was pitching well, but it was. I thought he would have been pushing his luck if he brought him back out, and uh, and and we know what Tanaka does. He gives up home runs, so it's uh, it was. I thought it was the right move. Austin Jackson was leading off the eighth inning, and if you remember earlier in the game, he had a really tough at bat to Austin Jackson. Ended up getting him, I think, to fly out, but it was a tough at bat. And and Jackson's been kind of a pain in the ass the entire series. So I agree. I wanted them to go to D. Rob. D. Rob didn't look that great, uh, but again. Props to Girardi for immediately going to Chapman. Chapman threw a lot of pitches. So, I mean, Chapman's obviously going to be available for game four, but he's not going to be available for more than three outs, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Uh, You never know, because especially if tomorrow gets rained out, which it very well might, they may postpone that game to the next day if uh, if the weather doesn't change, because it looks like it's going to be pretty damn wet. Um, well, I hope it doesn't. Be a good no, that's a bad, th- well, I don't know. A bad could, thing for the Yankees. Uh, why? Because Bauer will be ready? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah maybe, it's, okay, maybe, but, the Indians are talking about starting Josh Tomlin. I'd much rather have Josh Tomlin, despite the fact he threw two shutout innings against you in Game 2, than a fully rested uh, uh, Bauer. 
Well, I think it lines up for all the pitchers a lot better. Um, granted, Severino is very yeah, wrestling. I'm talking about for the for the entire series. So it, it'll it'll line up them even if they were to win. Kluber gets another day. So no, I don't yeah, think no. They I don't, think you're right. They don't do another day. I think game five would still be on Wednesday night. No, oh, they just keep it where it is. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I think the the starting pitching staff is definitely enhanced. Is helped um, tomorrow. If uh, if it gets rained out for Cleveland, but you know it is the 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 bottom line. If they're throwing Josh Tomlin, and we're throwing Luis Severino, gotta win that game. I'm I'm saying like we gotta we gotta make damn sure that game gets played. Yeah, <laughs> um, because everybody else is ready out of the bullpen. I mean, even Chapman, even if they doesn't, even if he doesn't want to go to Chapman, which he would. But even if he doesn't, everybody else is ready to go. Chapman, no, Chapman will pitch if they need him. But I'm saying everybody else is rested and ready to go. Yes. It, fully loaded. Yes. Um, yeah, it was, it was uh, interesting because Girardi was under a microscope even more than he already was, is under a microscope in the playoffs. Any wrong move, he was going to be, be extra destroyed because of what happened on Friday night. And I don't know if we want to credit Girardi for finally manning up. Uh, he said he screwed up Saturday afternoon after we had recorded. After he said, in hindsight, I wish I had challenged it. So after he went back and looked at all of the replays and heard and read what everyone was saying about him, um, he should never have said that bullshit excuse immediately after the game. But he did. He stuck, stuck his foot in his mouth, had to yank it out of there on Saturday afternoon and, and said he feels responsible for everything. Well, of course he's responsible. I mean, you'd be an idiot if you didn't eventually say that and you look back at a situation. I still don't think he thought he was wrong. I still think he thinks he did the right thing because they had a protocol and the protocol said don't do it because they didn't have enough information. So they went by a protocol and the protocol said no and that's what happened. Well, he kind of threw... Yeah, go ahead. But he can't explain that. He can't explain that to anybody because nobody wants to hear that. Nobody will listen to that. And honestly, it's a bad... It's, it's, it's just the binder talking and it's not a real human being talking. It's a protocol and protocols are there in place of situations that are predictable, right? And, and when you have a 30 second clock, you go to a video and you know what that is. It's absolute. It's 30 seconds. And a guy's got to tell you within that 30 seconds, yes or no. And he didn't, he said no, because he didn't have enough information. And instead of actually going off protocol and using his two eyes and listening to his guy he stuck with it, and that's what happened. So it was just a it was a very textbook binder move, and of course he's got to say something. He's got to appease the, the people. I still don't think he thinks it was the wrong move. We finally have a name, Brett Weber. That's who the uh, the video replay guy for the Yankees is. Girardi said he never got the slow motion clip. That still does. I don't understand that. I don't understand how I can have see, see something and then these guys don't turn on the fucking TV. Right. MLB Network. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? MLB Network. Turn on the TV. <laughs> MLB Network was I mean, showing Jesus it. Christ. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The TV replay was showing it thir- three seconds after it actually happened in Brett Weber. It's so dumb. Brett Weber's uh, it, the literally. most made up name of all time. Um, doesn't have the, the replay. But that doesn't change the fact that Gerard did not trust his players. Didn't trust Gary Sanchez saying it did not hit him. It hit the bat. Didn't yeah. trust his eyes looking at the situation and seeing that Chisholm was not in pain. Didn't trust Chase Headley who was screaming from the dugout saying that it didn't hit him. So do you think at all... all right. No, no, I, I'm not still harping on it. I, I, we have to ask this question though. Do, did Girardi lose his players' confidence after game two? No. I don't think so, because I don't think half the players knew even what was happening. There, you, you hear some of the comments and the way that they were talking about it. A lot of these guys didn't even realize what was going on until afterwards, and they looked, and they checked it out, and they saw everything. 
So, no, I, I don't think so at all. I, I think everything was uh, just, you know, it happened so fast. And especially if you're on the field, it happens even faster. It happens in, sl- in a lot slower motion for all of us because we're watching it. We can review it. We can bitch about it a thousand times. We can go on Twitter and see it immediately on GIFs and videos and slow motion and freeze frozen frames. Brett Weber we needs a Twitter so fast. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Brett Weber, wherever you are, if that's your real name, do not get a Twitter account. But he could get the, for your, for get your own the slow good. motion GIFs and then he could tell Girardi that, yeah, it hit the bat, not his hand. Yeah, okay, fine. Then he needs to go like Kevin Durant style and just make up a fake profile and just, just troll yeah. and just look around. Yeah, the, the Cuban missile fine. needs a fake profile if he wants to start liking Joe Girardi as an imbecile comments too. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff is all dumb too. I think like that particular, I mean, I, I guarantee that Chapman's not doing his own social media. Most of these athletes have guys doing it for them or they have uh, they have bots literally trying to increase their uh, their likes and shit like that. So you, you don't know that. I guarantee he wasn't the one that clicked the like. So to me, that's like that's just more of uh, it looks it looks worse than it, it remotely even is. Girardi heard it during the pregame introductions, totally booed as he was coming out. Yeah, he was. I mean, New York. Well, I don't know why it's such a shock that New Yorkers boo. New Yorkers boo. Yankee fans. <laughs> Boo. They do it. It happens all the time. They're always going to boo. They always have booed. They will always boo for the rest of time. Why is everybody so surprised when somebody who screws up the last time they saw them, they get booed the next time they see them? It happens every time. I know Let's, Michael K was on a crusade on Twitter that um, Girardi did not deserve to be booed. He owned up and manned up and apologized for his comments, and he's been a very good manager for a very long time. It's unrealistic. That is not living in reality, Michael Kay and anyone else who thinks that Joe Girardi would not get booed in that situation. He single-handedly lost the Yankees a playoff game. You're going to get booed. Doesn't mean you have to boo him every time he then comes out of the dugout to make, make a pitching change. And going forward, we can totally get behind Girardi if you want. If you don't want to, fine. That's your right to do whatever. But he deserved that boo pregame introductions. So the players can pop champagne whenever they want, but the 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 the, uh, the fans who are going and paying a couple hundred bucks for a ticket for a playoff can't boo when they want. Uh, the fans can do whatever the hell they want. If they want to boo a guy, they can boo a guy. It's their damn right. They bought the ticket to sit in that seat. They can boo a guy as loud as they want. They can hiss. They can stand there with their freaking thumb down. They can do whatever they want. They can do nothing. They can cheer. It's your right to do whatever you want to do as a fan. It's a sporting event. If you feel an emotion, let that emotion out. Who gives a shit? It's it, it, it's it's the people that take it personally. I mean, if I'm Joe Girardi, I'm chuckling at that, knowing damn well I'm going to get booed. So these the people that come out, like Michael K talking about that, like just get off your horse, man. It's not it's not an ethical situation where a fan is booing that they're a bad guy. No, they're booing because they they're. They're booing what, maybe not Girardi as a man, but they're booing what he did in that situation. They're booing and they have his, every damn right to do it. Yeah, they're booing his bonehead decision. Yeah, it's, it's so, you know, the whole booing thing to me is annoying and stupid. Who cares? Uh, Who cares? More Girardi decisions. He didn't really make any lineup changes. The only thing is he shuffled the batting order. Todd Frazier was moved up. Jacoby Ellsbury was still in there DHing. I was kind of surprised that Ellsbury's still DHing and we're not seeing Headley or Holiday. I was really surprised that we weren't seeing Headley. I don't know why Ellsbury's continuing to get run. He's he's not been good. He's been bad again. He's he's back to 
the worthless Ellsbury. So let's just put him back on the bench, use him as a pinch runner. Weapon. Kind of like we expected. The weapon, as Vaskirgin called him. Yeah. He did call him the weapon. I'm like, really? The weapon? I don't know about that. The you, weapon you've heard of, yeah, maybe. You've heard of uh, like Swiss Army knives as, as uh, like weapons? No, Ellsbury's a butter knife. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about Swiss Army knives, that's Chase Headley. That's the guy that can go and do a million things. He could steal a base. Let's let's uh, he's the sneaky stealing base guy. No, I I really think that Headley needs to get in this game. I mean, he's going to get to me. I'm I'm looking for a more professional at bat from Chase Headley than Jacoby Ellsbury. And uh, and if you're going to pinch hit with Headley and not bring him in for defense, like you're you're kind of losing his flexibility at that point. I understand that you could still use him because. Uh, if, if a guy gets turned around or if um, Francona goes in to make a pitching change and turns Headley around, then you have a switch hitter. So that's something. But um, I don't know. You're going up with uh, with uh, what was it? Um, Andrew Miller uh, and Ellsbury was up. Uh, Chase Headley came in to pinch it. To me, that's the spot where where Matt Holiday is the guy to come in. Right. I mean, you're looking for a big fly. That's a perfect sp- spot for Matt Holiday. Zero at bat so far for Holiday. I don't think he's getting in this series unless it's something crazy happens, an injury or, or 15 innings and they need somebody to, to pinch hit or something like that. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, I guess not because that would have been the perfect scenario. It would have been the perfect scenario on Friday too when you needed a home run. So I just don't see him getting in, in the lineup. And that's fine. He hasn't been good. If you look at Holiday's numbers, he was bad the entire second half. But when... Ellsbury is still not doing anything. He didn't do anything in the wild card game. Didn't do anything in games two or four, two and three. For game four, Chase Headley deserves to be DHing at the very least, just because try something different. Well, he's going to look at Josh Tomlin. He's going to look at all the numbers against Josh Tomlin if he's the guy, and then he's going to find out who has those numbers, and then he's going to play that guy. Well, so that's what's going to happen. Headley against Bauer in game one, right? Uh, Headley was DHing. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, it feels like so long ago. <laughs> um, another stat that I heard: uh, a couple stats that were surprising yet not surprising. First of all, fourteen of the sixteen runs the Yankees have scored in the playoffs, that includes the wild card game, were come via the home run. Um, another stat is that: did you know they turned the least amount of double plays in Major League Baseball this year? I didn't know that, but I did hear that, and my ears perked up at that as well because Tanaka got two in what two innings. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was an interesting stat. I did not know that. Um, the, uh, the home run thing is glaring, though, because if you look at the Yankees, some of their big hitters, Gardner has only one hit in the series. It was the bloop, mm-hmm. the bloop double. Didi only has two hits. He had one hit tonight, and Judge still has not had a hit. Yeah, J- Judge has not had a hit. He's gotten on base. He's got, what, four walks, I think. Um, so he is getting on base still, even though he's not getting the hits. So... I think people forget about that. He's not even really um, making hard contact, though. No, but he is making clutch catches. So stealing, what's his war then if he stole two home runs or a two-run home run? Well, what does that mean? So how does that how does that affect his war? So it's it's got to be at least half half of half a win. They don't win. Half they don't win, win without him. They don't win without Greg Bird either. Wasn't that a two-run shot? Wouldn't that have been a two-run so shot? It would be a loss. Right. So doesn't don't you get a full win for that? Isn't that a one war? What's the opposite of a loss? That's a win. What's a, what's a negative loss? There's no such thing as a negative it's, loss. It's a double negative. It's a tie. <laughs> Dude, playoff baseball is making me delirious. Oh, my goodness. Look, we get to play another day. This is beautiful. I want to talk about Chapman also a little bit more because Chapman came in, in uh, with, what, one out in the, uh, the top of the eighth. 
And base runner on. Robertson obviously didn't. He didn't look like he had it. Uh, walked a guy. Chapman comes in. People are on Twitter are just still calling for Tanaka to stay in. It's it's whatever the flavor is that second Twitter. That's that's it. You know, like Tanaka was really good. So obviously he's going to be really good for the next inning and probably the next inning after it's that. Whatever Girardi's doing, been, the opposite because he's been good. People just want the no, opposite. I, but I asked. But I asked the question before anybody even knew. Um, I was trying to find what the what the gauge was of Twitter of what people wanted to 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 see Girardi and do. They wanted and a lot Tanaka. of it was most of it was Tanaka, yeah. Um, but Chapman did one. He gave up a couple hits in the ninth inning too. Um, Kipnis got a hit, and then uh, the the one that we were talking about that was uh, that was stabbed by Frazier, and Frazier just couldn't get a hand out. That was a hell of a um, a block too, by the way, because Kipnis is definitely on third base at that point. Um, and if that if that ball goes through, 100 percent on third base. Maybe who knows where that ball goes, but it looked like it was going to be right up at Gardner. Um, but probably you have first and third right there, and that's a big situation. And Chapman came in um, and and did did what he needed to do. He he closed out two innings, sweating his ass off, and it's was humid. throwing it's humid here in the New York fastball. City this weekend. This week, yeah, it's, it's the East Coast is a freaking disaster this this week. It's like 85, 90 degrees up and down the entire East Coast. But the guy came in and was th- and lived on the fastball again. He he threw. Um, a few sliders, really, just to to show it. He gave one. One was the bad. Um, one was the bad timing, I thought, and gave up a base hit on it. But other than that, he was living off the fastball. And that at bat to Jay Bruce was scaring the living shit out of me because Jay Bruce has been just you know the our kryptonite. Um, but he was completely outmatched. I think he even went on a two zero count. Uh, it was two fastballs missed outside, and then Chapman just came back and just kept kept challenging him and. Bruce couldn't catch up with the fastball. So I love that he went back to the fastball, stayed with the fastball, and challenged guys and, and, uh, and got the strikeouts. It was, it was beautiful. He was, yes, his fastball was dominant. I think he did not throw one fastball under 100 miles an hour, which is pretty typical Chapman, but sometimes he mixes in some 98s, 99s to just for whatever reason. But everything was over 100. He was totally amped up. The last out of the game, the Carlos Santana fly ball with two runners on base. It ended up being just medium deep center field, but off the bat, something something weird. Maybe it was Chapman's reaction. Oh yeah, the way Chapman looked, stared up at it. Like I almost thought for a second, crap, did he get that ball? Are we looking at a three run home run right now? Devers like two point but it wasn't. It wasn't even close to the warning track. So it wasn't even deep. No, it was medium yeah. deep center. No, field. I thought the same thing. There was something that happened with the camera or. Something happened because I had the same feeling. Maybe it was just our fear of God <laughs> that of of the worst thing happening um, that that crept in when the when the ball hit the bat. But yeah, I thought the same thing. But as soon as I saw Gardner uh, where he was, and then Hicks caught it, so whew, it was a it was a whirlwind, man. That's a that's a stressful freaking nine innings when it's uh, zero zero and then one nothing. Yep. And then game four Monday night stressful. Game four is going to be extra stressful as well. We're you were right though we were right we've been talking about this Yankee Stadium is fired up the Yankees at home are a different team. Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, even though tonight they didn't really do much offensively, but when Greg Bird got into it, you could just the, the place was freaking. It was just going off. It really was, and you could feel it. A lot of times when you're watching on TV, you can't 
sometimes it has to do with the broadcast too and the way that they have the, the sound going, but you could feel that place shaking. I mean, it really, really seemed like it was a loud, loud event. I think we should definitely uh, get Dom's take on, on the whole um, how it was down on the field as well because practically the kid was on the field. <laughs> Does he have like some sort of um, mafia hookup? How do you get those seats? Yeah, it was, uh, from, from what he says, it was a, a client of a family member. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, shady. Who knows? Who knows these clients? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm hoping game four uh-huh. does not get rained out because I think that helps. I, I think it helps Cleveland more than it helps the Yankees. And I think the Yankees are going to try. Obviously, I think nobody wants to screw up the postseason schedule in the first place. So they're going to try to get this game in. But if there is a just a massive um, blob over New York for hours, then they'll call it early. Hopefully they don't. Yeah. All right, well, we will come at you with the podcast after game four, whether it is uh, Monday night or Tuesday night. We're going to be recording that, and then hopefully we'll be taking you into a game five. Scott, any last words? I'm just looking forward to Severino, and I think he's going to have, I think he's going to have a, a, a very good outing, a, a very good showing. I don't know exactly what he'll do, but I think he'll come back out and, and have a chip on his shoulder, and he's going to want to really put that, that wild card start way in the past and not have anybody talk about it again so in order for that to happen he's got to come out there and and pitch well so that's what i'm looking forward to i'm looking for a young guy coming back out and ready to prove himself and that's that's a good thing for the hey guys thanks for listening to the bronx pinstripe show make sure you find us on itunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone if you do like the show We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.